The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. All right, John, it has been two weeks. Our title of our last episode on July 6th was Little to Discuss. <laughs> we're so, uh, we're going to have to and, get creative, I guess. Yeah, in terms of transactions, not much has changed. I'm sure we will talk a little bit about Summer League later. I'm still doing a bunch of my film on that. That may be a future episode here. But the biggest news to come down since we last talked is it seems like Lo and behold, shockingly, the Jazz actually are listening to offers on Donovan Mitchell, and the Knicks are supposedly the team they are most engaged with. The Knicks can beat really any realistic suitor. But what do you think just in general of Donovan Mitchell as a trade asset, as a trade piece, and the price that he should fetch in a vacuum given where some of these other deals have been of late? So it's interesting because on the one hand, he's an all-star in his 20s, under contract, right? Those three things rarely come together. Yeah, when's the and last so, time a 25-year-old all-star who wasn't Ben Simmons with three years left on his deal was available in trade? I mean, it's basically, I don't think that's ever happened that I can recall. Yeah, Paul George was a bit older. Yeah, and yeah, that would probably Ky- be the- Kyrie had two years left, uh, was about the same age in 2017. Uh, you know, there's been a couple of guys with two years left on their deals, but nobody with three years that, that I can recall who, sorry, Ben Simmons, is actually a real all-star and, and is not insane and isn't afraid to shoot a layup so uh so so that's somewhat unprecedented uh, on the one hand so uh you know obviously the biggest haul of any of these that we've seen right yeah so it's a difference from his teammate rudy gobert who was just traded because gobert was much older and it was more easy to speculate that the out years on his contract, I mean, he had four years left on his deal, but him making $46 million in 2025-26, you could see that in a negative light. Whereas it's mostly upside on Mitchell's deal, where your biggest worry is just re-signing him in 2025 when he has that player option. But for these next three years, where he's making 30, 32, and 34 in an environment where the cap continues going up, I mean, that's... You're, you're going to win on that, big time. So he has a lot of value. The tricky part is that he's not quite the guy, like the guy, you, the top 10 player who just automatically vaults you into at least the second tier of contention. And really, you're acquiring him after you already have your first superstar, right? To be kind of kind of Robin to the Batman. And it gets interesting because I, I think he can fit that role in Miami, who's one of the teams that's hot to trot for him. I don't think Miami actually has enough to get him to win that bidding war. And so instead, it's New York where, I mean, this Mitchell to New York stuff has been out there for years already. And so it just just seems like a logical end game, uh, especially uh, I don't know if you've heard that his representation might have some ends with the New York front office. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a really weird situation. I, let's talk about the like, how good is this guy component first? And, and you know, I, when I did my rankings of the top players in the NBA, I've, I've had him around 20 the last couple of years. I don't have him quite at the level of, say, Devin Booker or Damian Lillard necessarily. But given his age, maybe there's a thought that he could get to that level. I'm not sure that he gets to the level of being a top 10 player ever, but there's certainly more, particularly as a shooter, I think, that he can explore. Uh, hey, he could even maybe get a little better defensively. Uh, yeah, a little bit. Amazingly yeah. enough. Uh, yeah. But, but, uh, so 
and this is really kind of an unprecedented situation though again uh, you just don't see a player like this becoming available but i think you got to the more salient part of this is like it almost kind of doesn't matter what his quote-unquote value is his value is what the marketplace is willing to pay and the miami heat would really like to have him it doesn't seem like there's much of a market outside of that you know maybe toronto but uh some of these kd teams are gonna fully explore that avenue first but the knicks probably can outbid i would say especially because the jazz are looking for draft picks right like they don't it doesn't do them any good i don't think to get og ananobi unless they feel like they can just flip him uh, again exactly draft picks exactly but in it seems like from the knicks perspective at least and and brock aller who's probably at least initially going to be doing this negotiation and i would imagine has been you know is a shrewd and negotiator kind of sam hinky style like extracting stuff along the margins etc so if i'm brock aller i'm saying all right you know we know what miami can offer you're not really that interested in tyler hero they've got two picks and two swaps that they can offer whatever it is at this point like yeah sure we'll give you the best offer you we know you got to get rid of him and danny ainge is saying like you saw what i got for rudy gobert as you mentioned like mitchell in theory should garner more than rudy gobert and fred katz i thought wrote well about this yesterday i think we're at loggerheads for now in this negotiation yeah at some at some point you would think somebody's gonna move but i think that you know the jazz have time on their side so they can afford to be patient and maybe you know maybe another bidder comes in or whatever they they don't have to deal with it and mitchell from all i can tell hasn't really been like pushing things the way some of these other guys have been to to get out of town. I, th- I, th- I think he knows he's going to get out either way. So he, he, I don't think he feels incumbent on him to, to act out yeah. in the way some other guys have. And so, yeah. well, it's easy to do that when there aren't any games being played that you have to actually show up for and and play. It's particularly playing with a team that's, uh, shall we say, incomplete. Yeah, <laughs> at the moment for Utah. Yeah, but I mean, even even if it comes to that, I've got. I I mean, we'll see, but. There hasn't been any indication that he's going to no-show for camp or anything like that. If he's still a, a jazz man or whatever they call jazzers in uh, October. Jazz man, is, uh, that's awful, by the way. Like You, you, yeah, need, a, you need a better term for somebody who plays for your team. That's that's almost as bad as the uniforms. <laughs> so, yeah, I think there's probably is we're going to need some other inflection point. One of those might be KD resolving in one form or another. One of those could be the start of training camp. One of those, uh, Locke had, had a good pot on this today, talking about the Knicks starting 7-10 and 10 and, and the back page pressure ramping up and Dolan putting his thumb on the scale as he did back in 2011 to make them eventually overpay for Carmelo. Uh, you know, it could be there, but it does seem like there's not, at least as of now, that I think both sides kind of have their price and there's not much that's going to change that as a, as of this moment. And maybe that's Mitchell coming in. Hey, maybe the inflection point is the jazz start winning too many games that's if i'm if i'm advising donovan mitchell i'm like come yeah. in here and just start kicking some ass like yeah. let's get this team off to like you know 10 games over Seven 500 four, looking like yeah. a playoff team yeah that that'll get you out of town fast <laughs> that, that would probably be as bad you know the other thing that could tip the scales is if one of these other players that utah is going to end up dealing gets involved in a deal that kind of entwines them in a Mitchell deal somehow um and, and it would be especially be if the Knicks are trying to get more than Mitchell out of out of a Mitchell trade like if they were trying to get Mitchell and Beverly or Mitchell and Beasley or Mitchell and Bogdanovich that's a possibility and also taking back bad salary as well I mean I, I think if I'm the Jazz you come to the conclusion that you can get more by breaking breaking these guys up but m- maybe that could be a way to, another way to grease the skids I mean certainly if I'm New York if I if I you're if i'm gonna meet you know throw in some seven draft pick package or something like that it's like no give me all of your like lower end guys who might get you a late first uh, as well and you know you're gonna especially but then you also i i I guess you talked about this when we were on spotify live if you can get utah to take julius randall that exactly a lot more appealing 
Exactly. So if you if it's Fournier and Randall and Reddish for like Mitchell and one of the other guys, whether it's Bogey or Beasley or uh, Clarkson or Beverly, I, I I wonder if that's a better deal for for the Knicks and it gives them a little more runway salary wise to do some other things and potentially put another star around Mitchell still. So I guess the the next question I have is how good would this Knicks team be if they traded uh, some role guys and a bunch of picks and you know Fournier and Rose for Donovan Mitchell? Anyone who's seen our YouTube videos knows that I don't wear formal stuff all the time. So when it's time to dress up rather than dress down, I highly recommend Inochino. They were the official outfitter of my wedding. I got my tux from there. All my groomsmen got their sport jackets from there as well. I felt really good about having them be the outfitter of my wedding because all my groomsmen were going to get stuff that they could continue to wear that fit them perfectly. Because when you go somewhere else, you're not going to get something that's made for you. So why not measure yourself in 10 minutes or visit a showroom rather than feeling like you're wearing somebody else's suit that they tried and failed to tailor for you. And not only does Indochino have the suits that made them famous, but now they've got everything. Blazers, pants, women's wear, outerwear, designed and made for you. Hundreds of high quality fabrics to choose from. European wools, linen, cottons, tons of colors, tons of patterns. You can customize things like the lapel, the vents, the pockets, and you'll get a piece that is personalized for you in fit and style. So level up your game with Indochino. Go to Indochino.com and use the code PER. Easy to remember because John invented it. Use PER to get 10% off any purchase of $399 or more. That's 10% off at Indochino. I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O. Indochino.com. And don't forget that PER code to let them know you came from us. I don't think they're top four in the East. I think they're probably in the next four, would you say? I I mean, he definitely, between him and Brunson being there, I mean, that's definitely better than what they had. Uh, There's still questions about fit, but it still should be a fairly deep team, even with some subtractions. And, you know, sometimes just not having, just the absence of badness kind of can get you a long way in the regular season. And I, I do think they'll have that going for them. So I would I would put them in the upper part of the middle of the pack, basically. Like, would they they be better than Charlotte or Cleveland or Chicago? Um, I'd say probably. You know, if you had Mitchell, probably yeah. Uh, are they as good as Atlanta? Yeah, probably. Um, you know, Toronto. I guess let's see. Uh, I wouldn't put them the top four teams: Miami, Boston, Milwaukee, Philly. I would not put them on par with them. Yeah, or Brooklyn if they can actually convince. Yeah, I kind of yeah. Them. Hold Brooklyn on the side because we don't know what they are yet. Yeah. So it definitely seems to me, and we'll talk more about this when the trade actually happens. But this is a team that would be less than the sum of their parts on both ends, where you because you have two a, small guards on defense. Yeah, two non-shooters at the, or three non-shooters really at the three, four, five. Uh, you can do yeah, some and, shenanigans. And Barrett, with, like yeah, Barrett, he's better as a shooter, but he's not. When you're considering him as like your primary off-ball threat as a shooter, like no, he. When you consider like him in that role, no, he's well below him as yeah. a shooter at that position. Yeah, and depending on who goes out in this deal, I mean, they kind of still need maybe another guy or two. Also, um, you know, like are they going to get anything from Cam Reddish this year? I kind of doubt it. Um, it you know, they can, the they can, yeah, yeah, because they can do it with like theoretically you could do Fournier, Reddish, and Grimes, right? Um, or even McBride. Uh, if Grimes is not in the deal, you can mix and match him in quickly uh, in those lineups to get more shooting in the game, uh, especially in the in the regular season. But there are, there are limits to how how much you can get out of that too. So yeah, I think I think you're right there. The the fit of this roster is not great unless Barrett suddenly turns into a banana shooter, which is a thing that I would not be counting on. All right, so that'll, and I guess the, the ultimate point there would be to hopefully bring in another star, and that's why these negotiations are so important because they need to maintain enough in the coffers to go do that move. I mean, yes, yeah, guys might want to be in New York that could grease the skids a little bit, and I don't know who who are some of CAs other really good clients. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> are there any that don't already play for the Knicks? <laughs> Yeah. All right, let's talk a little uh, off-season here. It does seem to be, at All least right. this segment of it, mostly in the rearview mirror. Yeah. 
and I wanted to uh, go through some superlatives here. So we're going to limit this to signings for the moment, not trades. Best contract that was signed. Uh... I thought there were two that were birds of a feather that both appealed to me. I think non-shooters who can play sometimes get a little bit of short shift. And so the two... I wonder where you could possibly be going here. The two guys (laughs) that I thought really uh, were undervalued by the market were Bruce Brown and Kyle Anderson. I, I really liked both of those deals. Minnesota like just didn't really have any real forwards last year. And so bringing Kyle Anderson in, I think, was, was really important for them. I would have liked to move a little better, actually, before the Gobert trade, because I don't love Anderson-Gobert pairing at the same time, necessarily. Uh, so we'll see how they work that out. But it, I think Kyle Anderson, despite the lack of shooting, I think he's just a really good all-around player. And he's going to help that team a lot, especially compared to what they had last year. Um and then Bruce Brown, same thing. I mean, really fits a niche on that Nuggets team with his ability to defend. And he could do some, like, goofy pick-and-roll stuff with Nikola Jokic, I think, too. Uh, they definitely made a conscious effort to add wing defenders between the Caldwell-Pope trade and and signing Brown. So uh, I, th- I think that will uh, help help the Nuggets quite a bit, even though, you know, I didn't love them trading Monty Morris for what they got back necessarily, but you can see what they were trying to do at least. And I mean, the one thing with his deal, obviously it's one year and then a player option. So we'll see if, if Bruce Brown is back on the market next year. Although, I mean, he was a free agent in Brooklyn and ended up signing the qualifying offer. It seems like the NBA market is still skeptical on him, even after two years of pretty good results. Yeah, well, I think it's just, it's tough to find a great fit for a player like that. And, you know, you need to have Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving and James Harden or Nikola Jokic around him, really, for a guy who's not a great shooter at that position. And, you know, losing teams aren't really interested in signing someone like that. So teams that are interested in signing him, like, they, the most they can pay him is, the in this case, the, the tax mid-level for Denver. So you, I think he was always kind of limited uh, to that range. Would you have rather had him? Him or Gary Payton the second? Oh, I would have. I think I would have rather had Brown. Um, it's tough, but uh, Brown is younger, uh, much less injury history. I mean, Pey- yeah. Payton gets nicked up a lot, um, yeah. and so so I would I would probably go Brown. Yeah, if Peyton were 26, I think it would be close. But at, at 29, you know, he probably just had his best year. I, I do think Peyton is a more impactful defender than Brown is. And I like his finishing and like offensive rebounding transition play more than Brown. But Brown also, and I, in talking to people in Denver, it sounded like this would be the case that they're actually going to try to use more of his ball handling as well. You know, at least have him bring the ball up some on the second unit. Yeah, basically. To try to make up for the loss of Morris a little bit. Yeah, both both Brown and Peyton played point guard in college. Yeah, but but Brown, we've even seen him do it in summer league, where you know I think he had like a triple double in summer league at one point. Yeah. Uh, so so he's capable of doing at least a little bit of that stuff. I don't know if he's gonna be running a bunch of pick and roll, but he can he can handle the ball adequately. Um, this is kind of cheating, but John ja Morant not uh, getting the player option. Yeah. On that deal okay. In Memphis. Great call. Great call because. They didn't just capitulate, they negotiated, right? They said, okay, here, we're going to give you every possible thing we can give you, and we're only asking for one thing in return, um, which I, I thought was the right way to handle it. And, you know, there's, I, I think sometimes teams are too afraid to negotiate with their with their star players, and they just capitulate instead. I wrote a whole column about it, and I thought I thought this was was a perfect example where both sides still got something that was really important to them, but it wasn't just a case of, of Memphis just, you know, hand, handing over everything. So I, I thought that was great. Yeah, and for Ja, even if his feeling is, yeah, I want to stay in Memphis, you know, Memphis for life, blah, 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 he still should have gotten the player option because, A, what if he just has a bad year next year and doesn't make the 30% max? Like, mm-hmm. he, he could get locked in. B, the cap is going to be going up starting in 25 significantly and he's got three years of this contract under the new cap regime where he's probably going to be pretty underpaid and so getting that player option just enabling you to get out faster 
roster to get a new deal or get your supermax to kick in a year earlier you know i think he's costing himself a lot of money on the back end of this contract even if he wants to stay in memphis forever well hey there's this thing called an extension that you could sign if you wanted to so i i think that was that's one where he should have he should have negotiated harder uh even if his plan is to always stay in memphis you don't need to like send the message there and cost yourself a bunch of money in that fifth year because you're like it's really more about the salary you'll be locked into as opposed to like whether you're gonna have your freedom that's interesting because so, i hadn't really i hadn't really thought about the how the rising cap could play into that but yeah because right now he's on the books for 44 million in 2028 which seems like a lot but by 2028 it might might not be yeah and it could be uh significantly less than that it could end up being you know 17 percent less than that if he doesn't make all nba this year and and he's limited to the 25 percent uh let's see so other good contracts any other ones that really uh, stuck out to you i i've got a couple more if you're uh if you want me to throw them out there okay so I have a couple others that I like, but they go in some of these other categories that we're going to get into. So I'm going to keep them in my bag here. So uh, very well. Um, one that I did like that, that I'll say too is uh, Gary Harris, which was technically an extension on the very, very eve of free agency but just getting him for another year he was a good vet for them and then the second non-guaranteed year so they can still trade him if they want to but now they can trade him on a much more reasonable salary because he was making too much at 20 million really to get traded for any value at last year's trade deadline so now they can turn around and try again it's probably the best possible use of, of their cap space for now ah the sweet sound of sports you love from sling the collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Okay, worst contract. Worst contract. I think there are only two contenders, and I think one of them has to win because of the sheer magnitude of it and the unprecedented fine print, or nearly unprecedented fine print that came with it. And I'm talking about Bradley Beal's deal with Washington, which sort of doubles down on the bad decision they made to not trade him two years ago, which was the... uh, I mean, the obvious move, they could have gotten a, if not a Gobert-type ransom, certainly at least Drew Holiday-type draft equity out of that, all to keep together a team that will once again chase for 38 wins. Uh, They gave him the full five-year max, uh, basically gave him, what, like $75 more than any other team could. Um, And the biggest thing is they gave him a no-trade clause, too, because their one way out of this was basically to find themselves a sucker at some point and still be able to offload him before it got too bad, a la the Blake Griffin deal with Detroit. And they took themselves out of that with the no trade clause, basically. Now Beal has all the leverage to determine his destination and to refuse a trade if it's too favorable for the Wizards, basically. Yeah, this seems like one where for a guy who had the season that he had last year, he should not have had the leverage to be the first guy who's gotten this since Carmelo Anthony. Carmelo Anthony got his because he was about to leave for the Bulls in free agency. And oh, by the way, Phil Jackson at Phil Jackson, John, Phil Jackson got Carmelo to at least take less than the max <laughs> as a slight concession in those 2014 negotiations. Noted cap Carmelo, wizard, Phil Jackson. Yeah. And the Wizards somehow and, could not. Yeah. And, and Carmelo actually was coming off one of the best seasons of his career, even though it was disappointing for a team standpoint in, in 2014. Yeah. And then, then he got hurt in 14-15. He was never the same after that. But so I, I think Carmelo's stature compared to Beal's is actually higher at that point. So yeah, there was zero negotiation that took place my thought was that maybe this was agreed to way back when Beal got hurt around the trade deadline and like part of that was part of him shutting it down I don't know how bad this wrist was whether he could have played on it and had surgery in the offseason or what but uh so that's from a process standpoint I agree with you I, I think it's by far the worst but even if with the no trade it's possible that if he they wanted to, to move him or he wanted to be moved in the next year or two that they could still get positive value for it but they of course without the no trade probably could have got 
lot more positive value from the next kings that's like trying to fight for the play exactly exactly think of how how good a fit would he be next to De'Aaron fox let me tell you (laughs) so uh, unfortunately there aren't really that many other teams that have the goals of the wizards where bradley beal on a 50 million dollar a year contract would fit in well (laughs) so maybe there won't be as much trade demand but also in the wizards defense it's not like they have beal and otto porter on the books in addition to john wall like they did when they signed wall to the supermax and so even with this Beal on this deal next year they're just right at the cap if Porzingis opts in they don't other than Beal and Porzingis they really have no bad contracts on the book so that that at least uh is something that they can take some heart in where he's not going to just kill their books going forward but uh I would I wouldn't say this is the worst because it's not so bad you know it's just small enough that it's particularly in this era of the rising cap it's not going to kill you but uh MB three years 37.5 million that was the other contender fully guaranteed who were you bidding against that that's the part i've never understood from the whole thing from trading draft equity to get his rights in the first place when you're a cap room team right so you didn't you did not need his bird rights you could have just signed him outright and then like what 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 was the what was out there that forced you to go three years guaranteed at this price like i i just don't get it and Again, the, similar to Washington, the only salvation is that Detroit's books are clean enough going forward that you don't really see this deal killing them. Although it could take them out of some juicy free agent possibilities, uh, maybe a year or two out, depending on depending on how things go here. But man, like, what what is it? I mean, they didn't even need his position filled, unless I guess yeah. they. That's what. That's the biggest thing that kills me is that this is indicative to me that Troy Weaver, while he's a- capable of identifying talent, I think pretty well, just has no idea how to make the pieces fit together. That that's the biggest concern I have, even more so than just like the value. Like you, if you're like, okay, we're gonna throw Bagley in as like a speed center on the second unit, he's gonna get some dunks, and like, all right, we'll have him switch. He's not any good at that, but whatever. We're just gonna run on the second unit and and uh, have him set screens and stuff, and then you know. At the five maybe a shooting could be a slight asset if that's like the way you're gonna run things then like and you know maybe he can grow and be a big scorer like you know play 25 minutes a game for us i don't like that contract but he's young okay maybe that makes sense they got isaiah stewart jalen durance who they just dressed gave up a bunch of assets to get at 13 who i like by the way i like both those players uh Nerlens, yeah. who they traded for uh they still got kelly olenic on this team as well isaiah livers they're talking about him maybe actually starting at the four which is hilarious yeah so like the uh, so it just it doesn't make sense within the context of what they built to have him that's what i don't understand yeah there it's like the mentality is just like hey i like that guy let's go get him but there's not really any uh like you said understanding of how the pieces fit or thinking about relative value either Uh, you know a lot of a lot of front office work isn't just hey i like that guy it's i like that guy 2.6 and i don't like him at 4.6 and figuring out contractually where where everyone lines up and where the value points are yeah because between Cade, Jaden ivy sadiq bay jalen duran that's a pretty good basis for a team and then you got stewart who could be kind of like a swing big as well but then they yeah. just like they surrounded it with all this stuff that doesn't make any sense at all like you just put some shooting and defense around those guys like i think you got a pretty good foundation going forward but instead like Cade's gonna just be ramming his head into a brick wall uh, with you know Corey joseph and killian hayes in the backcourt around him and like you know two non-shooting bigs at basically all times it's just like i i, yeah. I really don't like where this is going yeah i mean clearly they need more shooting and that was the thing they didn't they didn't address I, I, you know and they got alec burks but like alex burke isn't like really a shooter no like he, he'll make open shots but he's not really a shooter no so he's he's yeah, the, they, oh, oh hamadou diallo's on Hamad- this team too hamadou yeah yeah Saban lee another sharp shooter <laughs> uh and then Yusuf Nurkic was an interesting one too for me. Four years, seventy million with the Blazers. That was the other one that really stuck out to me. So, uh, so I actually thought in the short term they got good value on that. The question is, do you need to go out four years guaranteed with him? Right. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, how is Nurkic 
so much better than some of these other centers who have been signing recently in the low teams. Well, I mean, he's better than Mo Bamba, certainly. Well, yeah, but he signed for one. He signed because they had literally nothing else to do with their caps. Okay. For one year, non guaranteed second year. Okay. But it. Uh, so, like, you mean compared to like Hartenstein or? Yeah, Hartenstein or hey, Mitchell Robinson got a, f- a fair amount. You know, that that was one where I thought that was more, went for more than I was expecting to, but that, that could have been one of those those ones where they needed to agree with him so that they could keep his low cap hold on the books uh early but this one seems like again it was done back the way it makes sense to me is it was done back at the trade deadline when uh you know right when that planet fasciitis popped up (laughs) hey you know if you're you're gonna be cool shutting it down yeah it'd be cool shutting it down you're gonna pay me next summer yeah okay exactly exactly yeah yeah i i didn't hate that one um yeah, I, it's like it's kind of like the years. I, I thought he would be more in the like three year. Like Valanchunas is another example, right? Like he got way more than Valanchunas. Um, whereas I think, you know, yeah. they're, they're, I think um, Nurkic is much more of a two way center than Valanchunas, though. Yeah, uh, he's way worse offensively, but probably better on defense. But um, okay, next category here. Okay, the most surprising contract. Uh, the one I probably didn't see coming was Gary Payton to Portland. I just I just hadn't envisioned the Blazers going after that type of player at this point. Um, they've always been so all in on getting offensive players there. And uh, then going on the third year with him, too, uh, was a little surprising. And it also put them over the tax, which surprised me, at least momentarily. Um, so... I guess that one shot. And then also Golden State had his early bird rights, so I thought he'd be the one guy they might keep. Yeah, I understand why they didn't match that deal with him being 29. I, I actually, when I went through, because I I would pred- predicted wrongly that Peyton wasn't going to have as much of a market. I went through it, I was like, okay, what are the teams that could actually use him? Like maybe Dallas, but then they, they immediately used their mid-level on JaVale and they, they only mm-hmm. had the tax mid-level. And so I thought about like, like, where else does he fit? Because you need like a lot of shooting. Well, Dame is sort of the closest thing to Steph. And so I, I did actually think if there was a team that should have focused in on Peyton it was Portland I mean it's also worth noting too John like there was just we're gonna go through some of these signings right like there's just nothing out there right if you had the like for I think for the second consecutive year now no full MLE for four-year contracts were given out would how amazing is that to think of that there wasn't one player on the market that a team was like yes this is worth a four-year 44 million dollar contract wow you're right PJ Tucker got three but nobody got four right he's the only one I think you got three at the full mid-level yeah that that is amazing so if you like if you're trying to get better gary payton the second is and i think he does kind of fit in with what they're doing some with the shooting they have with ant and uh, or anthony uh, anthony simons and dame so I, I and you know i'm sure the whole pacific northwest connection aaron goodwin is his agent just like with dame as yeah was, was helping yeah i'm sure i'm sure that had nothing to do with it at all yeah, but but I I they overpaid for him a little bit, but I think he's a good player who outside of Golden State, he this is probably the best fit for him. In the, so like it probably won't be a good contract by the end, but that's that's okay. Um, I, I guess I wasn't surprised by that because I felt like he was Portland was the most likely destination for him if he did leave. Okay, um, I was a little surprised they went that big, and and I think I, I under do you understand Golden State not going that heavy, even though in theory they could have matched it. Uh, yeah, I mean. Just to to go out that big and on the years too with him, I think was yeah. pr- probably made them a little a little skittish because they pr- I mean they know his injury history more than anyone right like they've seen his medical the last year so probably probably the right call. Yeah, I mean it sounded like they were willing to go fifteen million guaranteed over two years or so for him. Yeah, yeah, and then they had their walk away number, which is fine. I mean that's you kind of need to have that discipline to last very long in this league. All right, my most surprising contract was one of the first to, that was reported. Okay, DeAndre Jordan to oh <laughs> yes, yes. They are a little light at backup center and a little light at backup point guard at the moment. Yeah. Better hope for a Zeke Naji breakout. That's all I got to say. Yeah. Now, as they proved last year, you can get a guy probably at backup center at some point. And I actually like Naji, but he's not much of a rim protector. Yeah. 
And uh, I mean, the backup center market wasn't great, but like you could have done, but like you could have gotten, I don't know, like Tristan Thompson still hasn't been signed, right? Like you, you couldn't have gotten him on a minimum. Like he's not great, but he's better than DeAndre. Uh, uh, <laughs> you, you, you're stumbling on that one. <laughs> I think I might actually rather have DeAndre. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And, and part of why they brought him in was his locker room presence. I get that. Like, I'm not against like signing him for like the true end of the bench, but as it stands now, it looks like he like, might have ne- to play. You need to play him in the games, and that's a problem. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, in having some conversations in summer league, it seemed like Demarcus, as well as he played, kind of wore out his welcome there big surprise yeah i don't know how that could have happened ah the sweet sound of sports you love from sling the collide of football pads the squeak of shoes on a basketball court the crack of the bat on a home run the slice of skates cutting across the ice but what about this one that's the sound of all the sports you love all at once starting at $40 a month experience it all live with sling sling uh and then my other one was james harden taking a one plus one for only 32 million a year is that official now no but i i mean we know it can't be more than uh whatever their the hard cap i think they have 36 million left yeah the hard cap right yeah now. no but i i'm interested to see what the years end up being on that if he, if he does end up structuring the deal that way which i mean that does make some sense do a one plus one and then t- scratch my back a year later i could see that um but yeah i, I mean that was definitely you know maybe that wasn't surprising to daryl morey uh, when uh I mean, maybe it, it couldn't have been because there was stuff. I mean, a week before free agency, there was stuff out there that PJ Tucker was going to leave Miami for Philadelphia. So, I mean, that they had to already know what they were what they were going to do. And you know, as soon as they as soon as they made the Melton trade, I mean, that basically opened them up to. I mean, I guess they could have done Harden's deal anyway, and Tucker's it opened them up to do House too and still stay below the apron. So. Uh, you're right. That is yeah. that was a surprise. You're right. Yeah, that that, that was the structure. I think more yeah. people were more kind of thinking it would be like four years, hundred and twenty million or something like that. Exactly. Exactly. Best minimum signing. Best minimum signing. Uh you know, you know more about this team than I do because you go to all their games. But I thought uh, Damian Lee to Phoenix was kind of a sneaky good move, um, especially because it positions them a little better to do something with like Shamit or Payne potentially. Um, but I thought that was a good minimum. Yeah, Lee, he just wasn't able to make shots the second half uh, of last year. Uh, and he's he's a good team defender, maybe not great in a one-on-one situation, but he's certainly someone for the minimum who could be in an NBA rotation. So yeah, I, I thought he definitely you know deserves to have a job for sure. I mean, so it, it, he was not, you know, I, I had him in the rotation area of my of my sheet. Right. Uh, my pick was Wes Matthews, which is hilarious because he was out of the league at this point last year but like he played very good defense i thought he was actually the one guy who had any success for the bucks uh i, I thought he at times guarding tatum mm-hmm. um I, I mean i guess drew would be on there sometimes too although i thought like he's i, I like him a little bit better against smaller guys but whatever like it, and matthews can't do anything other than stand there and hit a three but like he was not the problem necessarily with the bucks and they signed him for the minute like he's probably gonna start for them again this year isn't he well with Chris Middleton being out for the start of the year potentially. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You think he would? Uh, now he he you know he's at an age where he may just not be playable anymore. But like he was, I was shocked that he didn't have a job last year after the Lakers. He was like he was like in the rotation in the Phoenix series yeah. and was one of their better guys. So they could have really used him last year. <laughs> but yeah, not a lot of great minimum signings out there this year. Well, I we'll mean, T.J. Warren has has to be talked about too. Uh, uh, yeah, exactly. We don't know what we're going to get from him, so it's a little hard to cape for him now. But certainly, I mean, based the the upside is there with with T.J. Warren. That just isn't with some other guys. Okay, next category: best exception signing. Okay, I think there are two clear contenders here, and they both involve the same team. Uh, and those two are Otto Porter and Dante Divincenzo. Uh, I thought Toronto getting Otto at six a year was a tremendous coup and really allows them to keep playing that style that they bought into last year where they just swarmed the floor with six, eight guys. And now now they have enough to kind of get through uh, the season and not have Nick Nurse 
play six guys 40 minutes each every game. But hopefully he won't do that anyway. Um, so I, th- I thought that was a really great deal for Toronto, even with the second-year player option. And then... Golden State, like just on a value perspective, like getting DiVincenzo at that number was insane. I mean, even if he's gone in a year, I, I, we've talked about him before. I think I've been higher on him than you. I think he has a lot of shot creation potential. I think he could be a really good sixth man. We'll see if this is the right team for him, but... I, I think there's a lot there with him, and he's still pretty young. Yeah, I, I would agree with you more so probably on DiVincenzo than Porter. I'm just a little worried that Porter, I thought he was breaking down by the end of the season and really struggled to shoot the ball after about January. Uh, the Porter that you got for the first half of the year, that is an amazing signing. Uh, the, n- less so maybe if you get the Porter from the second half of the year. Yeah. But also just they needed some shooting, and like it, he, he can't guard anyone, but they got other guys who can pick up the slack behind him and he is a good help defender and rebounder uh my pj tucker was there for me i realize he may not be able to play by the end of this period although again with the cap going up just even if he's a backup power forward playing 15 20 minutes a game by the end of this on a contender like 10 million a year is not terrible for that uh and you take him away from one of your rivals who hasn't been able to replace him yeah, that was kind I mean, of key, he, right? But he is, I think, is he the best free agent to change teams? I, I mean, I realized he, they had to pay up for him, obviously. But in terms of just like looking at the season that he had last year when healthy, which, you know, all right, he's 37. I get that there's a possibility that it's not going to work out. Uh, I mean, I think you just have, he, I and mean, I think he's going to totally transform their team from a toughness perspective and just a, like, having normal NBA role players around <laughs> their stars perspective. Well, I mean, they, yeah, I mean, they, they know that. I mean, well, Daryl and James Harden do anyway, because they've seen it before, right? I, he's not the best. I mean, Jalen Bruns is the best free agent to change teams, but. Oh, right, um, right. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. But this is, we'll, we'll get to this. In, like, this is a big signing and we'll, we'll get to that part in a minute. Ah, okay. Okay. Uh, yeah, you didn't, you didn't want to double dip. And, and I really like Daniel House uh, as well. I think if he can shoot the ball the way he did at times in Houston and defend the way he did last year in Utah, I think he's going to help these guys as well. Worst exception signing. Uh, how about Lonnie Walker? Yeah, he was at the top of my list. I mean, basically letting Clutch sign him to a one-year deal. Um, you know, sort of the same thing as Torton Tucker, where you don't even get any upside of the long deal with the young guy. It's just like if he's if the deal works, he's gone, and if it if it doesn't work, well, I mean, you just signed a guy who couldn't crack San Antonio's rotation for six and a half million, and you signed him for so much that you couldn't even do a three-year deal for Max Christie. You know, did you did like did you really have to go to the full? taxpayer exception right away just to get this guy's services yeah especially when you consider that max christie was the every single person in the lakers front office thought that he was the only pick they possibly should have gone to at number 35 Like, why do you need to lie about something about like that stupid rob he does this all the time now first of all when your pick comes up on the draft, that's not the point where you survey the room, okay? Can I just point this out? Like, there there have been meetings for weeks where you're sitting there, like, collating lists and stuff. And by the end of it, you don't even remember who was arguing for who half the time. And so... Well, but that that's that's what happens with, like, a good team that actually has a process. And I, I mean, Christy might actually be good. Who knows? But it's, it was just like, you don't have to say something like that, yeah. Rob. Like, it's, there, there's no way that anybody has a consensus on like who the number 35 picture yeah uh while we're here uh the lakers scouting department under jesse bus has done a great job of identifying yeah. second round and undrafted guys so we'll we'll see on max christie yeah i'm making fun of the quote not the pick uh, <laughs> but yeah yeah back back to lonnie walker uh we got to get younger and more athletic like okay but even if lonnie walker hits the way he does that is by giving you like on ball value and attacking off the dribble which they they don't need that. That's the thing they don't need. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, honorable mention, Andre Drummond, who got uh, $3.3 million. So what is that? Like 400 k more than what his minimum would have been, just to say that he's not a minimum player? <laughs> I, I actually, I didn't hate that deal. Like, the Bulls backup center position last year. I mean, if, signing Tony Bradley for two years with a player option, like, that was bad. Uh, I don't Dr- think Tony Bradley is that bad. Yeah, he 
he, he like offensive rebounds. He stands around the basket. He's got soft hands. He might be better than Drummond. Man, I don't, I don't know. Drummond I, had some had some moments last year, but yeah, yeah. Bull, Bulls uh didn't didn't have the most impactful offseason. And then Malik Monk. This is one where maybe on another team it would make some more sense. But I just particularly when you throw in giving up a first to get Kevin Herter as well. I just didn't really like. Are either of those guys going to start for this team? Oh, I think Herter's going to start. Yeah, I think I think they'll start. At the two. I think they'll start. Yeah, I think they'll start Herder at the two, and they'll bring Mitchell and Monk off the bench. Yeah. So so they paid nine million a year for a fourth guard. Is what you're telling? It a uh, uh, fifth perimeter player. <laughs> <laughs> And particularly, I, I just don't think like another small guard who can't defend isn't really what this Kings team needed. The weird thing was that obviously they used their exception money on Monk and let DiVincenzo walk for nothing after trading picks for him rather than just re-signing DiVincenzo and using their exception money to address the wing. Because now at the wing, yeah. they signed Casey Okpala and Chima Moneki. I like they basically signed Mike Brown's Nigeria team right and uh and i guess we'll you know we'll see how that goes but it's tough to be crazy optimistic about it they still have like they don't have a wing defender on the team still like somebody who's in that six seven size profile unless you're going to tell me that chima maneki is going to do it like they don't have anyone in that size profile which is the one thing you really want in the in the league yeah i would have actually preferred to maybe give Caleb Martin an offer sheet at slightly above the tax mid-level and force Miami to go into their uh their full mid-level to re-sign him not that there are a ton of great wing options out there obviously at this point but no that would have I I mean I think that would have been a really good one for for Sacramento to pursue but okay uh boom or bust contract Anthony Simons that's what I had to I mean, I was actually kind of taken aback at the number they went to for him. Yeah, this might have been another one of those, okay, you're going to shut me down? Then uh, you you better be willing to pay me something right now. You know, I I think they paid for the right to tank for that number seven pick with the Simons and Nurkic deals. Huh. See, I... That's my theory. I could see it more with the Nurkic deals, but they were still playing Simons for a while after that. I I think he more genuinely got hurt. Um, I could be wrong about that, but... Man, they went, I mean, to go 100 million over four for, I mean, he's a good offensive player, but eh, like that's, you're, you're, you're definitely betting pretty strongly on him being a plus starter caliber player, which, which I think is unproven to say the least. Yeah. Well, they didn't get a, a player option and the cap is going up. You know, it starts at 22 this year. You heard anything on incentives for that deal? Uh, I have not. Um, you know, the other thing, too, obviously, is that Lillard's on the same team. Like, do you even know if you can play Simons and Lillard together? I guess we'll find out. Right. I assume he's going to start, so we're going to, we'll see. Uh, but yeah, but also, you know, Anthony Simons was like almost 60% true shooting on a pretty high usage, and he can bomb threes off the dribble, which is a, a really useful skill. And I don't know if you heard the cap's going up, so. Yeah, it is. Uh, Bad, bad defensive player. Definitely needs to get better on that end. Okay, most impactful signing for this year. Well, I think here's where we get into P.J. Tucker. I mean, not just the fact that he goes to Philadelphia and gives them a like a real rotation kind of now. It, it, it looks a lot better on paper anyway. Uh, between that, acquiring Melton, the house signing, and then you take him off of Miami, and now all of a sudden you look at the Heat and they just have this void at the starting four where they're you know are they starting Max Struess or Caleb Martin at the four this year uh Nikola Jovic certainly ain't ain't ready for it you know are they gonna play Adebayo at four and Deadman at five like they they have all these not great options to sift through I mean I suppose they could start Hero and play Jimmy Butler as a or you know kind of Butler and Struess as a I mean but it's like these are things you don't really want to do if you take yourself seriously as a contender, right? So I think Miami's still shopping for that power forward. And I, you know, 
If they get Kevin Durant, obviously they have it, but I don't think they have the goods to get him. So I think they're in a little bit of a tight spot. I agree. And I thought the biggest difference in their regular seasons in 20, 21, and 22, 21 was disappointing, was because they didn't have that stretch four option. Not that Tucker is a great fit at that spot offensively, but he at least, you know, stands in the corner <laughs> and 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 can he fit into their switching system, which is now they don't really have the guy in the perimeter maybe that's Oladipo but I don't think they really have the guy in the perimeter to guard the opposing best player because that's not really something that Butler has done you know since Kawhi humiliated him back in the 2019 playoffs and they put Ben Simmons on him instead I think it's going to be Oladipo as I look at it I I, I think he has to be that guy um and yeah they're probably I mean they could try Caleb Martin in that role I guess that that would be the yeah. other option yeah maybe he can take another step forward to, for them as well but yeah I, I think Tucker is probably the guy like Brunson I don't know I just I still have no idea as we talked about in the open where this Knicks team uh, is going um now the now the Brunson signing you could argue is impactful because of what it does to Dallas Dallas. yeah 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 that that might actually be more where it's at even than that he's going to do he was so much better of a fit in Dallas than New York insane because what like now they're about to get Donovan Mitchell what is this Dallas team right now I mean it's Luca and their second best player is Kleba Finney Smith yeah and, and trading for uh wood and then also signing javel was a little bit of a mystery right they, and i mean they went three years on javel with a player option in the third year that was goofy yeah yeah in, in having some conversations i kind of got to the idea that maybe that was a like daniel tice alperin shingun situation from the previous year I, I i wouldn't like you know nail that in stone but uh i didn't i didn't get anyone to deny that that was the case <laughs> when you say a tice shingun situation what do you mean meaning that the deal was done and then something else came up after that but they still had to follow through on it anyway with javel uh, oh yeah 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 i no, i could see that i i just like at his age like going that far out for and paying him that much money just didn't make any sense to me yeah well maybe there were other shooters uh okay most impactful long-term signing free agent division that's one where i think you probably got to go brunson just because it's one of the well what about deandre Ayton? oh yeah you know what actually when i put this together that hadn't happened yet yeah i, I think that's a good one with eight so is it like hey, hey all the statements have been released john everyone's cool <laughs> everyone's ha- everyone's happy we're, now. we're yeah. back to chase the championship he, he got yeah. made december 15th or january 15th what's his uh Jan- what's his? january 15th okay okay yeah that that's going to be interesting to watch until then because remember also i mean phoenix being in the tax now by 15 million you know what i guess i still don't trust robert sarver to actually be a tax team this year so what he could get out of it just by you know trade his first round pick tory craig landry shamit and you know here san antonio take it um but the other option for kind of longer term is to still do an Aiton trade in January. Um, Aiton can, uh, ref- he can refuse a trade at any point this season, right? Um, yes. Yeah. And he cannot be traded for any reason to Indiana for one year. That's the, the Alan Crabb rule. Yes. Yes. Because Sean Marks traded for him the moment that <laughs> restriction ended. Just could not, could not help himself. Exactly. That was, what a, that was crazy. What a bizarre chapter that was. We have all of us in the West were just like Portland was so screwed with their cap. And to get off a crab for nothing, we were just like slapping our foreheads. Anyway. It wasn't quite nothing because they had to take Andrew Nicholson, who is uh, actually still on the Blazers. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> for two more years. By the way, he's on for this year and next year. They stretched him over seven years. What do you think but about yeah, it? was basically like $18 million for versus $6 million And yeah, yeah, they just took him. What do you think about yeah. Indiana but, but stretching hey. three guys just to... Just to get the full max on uh, on the eight and sheet. What do you, I thought that what was do you interesting. Think they were, what do you think they were thinking? Particularly when they didn't even give the poison, I shouldn't say poison pill, but the, the bells and whistles offer sheet that would have actually potentially made Phoenix Blanchett matching it. The only reason you do it the way they did is if you think you might actually win, right? Like when we did Kyle Anderson's offer sheet, we did not do a fourth year player option because we felt like that wasn't going to determine whether San Antonio matched the deal or not. Um, yeah. 
And we did do a trade kicker because we felt like if they were thinking about signing him and then trading him later, that that might be a deterrent. Um, but we figured if they if they wanted to keep him, the player option wouldn't stop him because the number was going to be the same. So I, I w- th- that to me was a tell that they maybe thought they had a chance of actually getting him. Yeah, and as weirdly as Phoenix played it, it I felt like there was a chance they weren't going to match. I w- that would have been a terrible decision by them. Yeah. But yeah. I thought there was a chance. Yeah. So it, um, stretching those guys doesn't matter. That's the, the, they'll be okay with you know two and a half million worth of stretch on their books the next. That does all. Yeah. I mean, they have no money on their books at all after this year. It's crazy. Um, they got to do something with their Miles Turner situation. I mean, it's it's one thing to say, oh no, Miles, those were just trade rumors, but it's hard to deny that you tried to sign somebody to a max deal at the same position, right? Yeah. Well, they, a uh, a four year max maximum possible raises extension offer would go a long way towards that if they wanted to but suppose supposedly turner's value is not that high. i mean he has not been able to finish two consecutive seasons now which is a little bit of an issue yeah all right last category okay best under the radar signing uh Simone Fontecchio. I think it's Simone. Yeah, yeah, I haven't seen him at all, but you apparently have. Tell us about him. Uh, so it's weird because he was such a non-prospect in his draft year that everyone just kind of looked right past him. I mean, he couldn't, he, he just didn't have the one thing that would make you excited about him because he was, okay, he's a 6'7 wing, but like, what does he really do? Well, the thing he really does now is he can really freaking shoot it. So, and now that opens up the rest of his game because you have to guard him from two inches away and so okay he couldn't get by you before but now he can right because you have to play him so close it just kind of it just kind of opened up the whole thing for him uh so i'm really interested to see how he translates um it's a little bit interesting because he's you know he's not super young and utah's going in a rebuilding direction and you know they signed him to a two-year deal it's almost like they signed him to trade him later a little bit but i i think he's a really interesting player at that price so i'm i'm fascinated to see how this goes i i that could end up being a big win yeah i think it's two years a little over six million mine was isaiah hartenstein i think he's a starting quality center it's interesting that the knicks signed him to eight million a year to play behind mitchell robinson i think it's possible he beats out mitchell robinson mitchell robinson got paid way more i had hardenstein actually higher on my free agent ranking than i did mitchell robinson although it was close you and i debated that earlier Mm -hmm. but i I think he's that's one where he should have value like i think he's a solid 25 minute a game starting center he's probably a top 10 rim protector in basketball last year yeah, he showed a lot more defensively last year than I ever imagined he had because he certainly like he yeah. didn't look like that in Houston at all. Uh, you would like to see him uh, not overpass so much, so be, like be a little more aggressive offensively. Uh, but there, like he's got a nice little floater game though in the paint, and he's pretty athletic running to the rim. Like he could do a lot of different stuff. Yeah. So and I think Tom Thibodeau, say what you will about him, he gets stuff out of these rim protecting centers, and I expect Hartenstein to have a, a nice year defensively under him got, all right then well we're yeah I, go ahead sorry i, I, I got i got a couple other under the radar guys at least oh sorry to sorry uh, I, I wanted to make it really under the radar and end the show before <laughs> delon wright in washington uh former grizzlies legend i thought that was a good deal at that number i thought he was very good in atlanta last year uh you know B- compl- best point guard on the hawks in the playoffs <laughs> Burr. Wow. Uh, probably correct, too. Um, yeah, I think it's I, not probably correct. Yeah. That is a hundred percent correct. I, I that, think he's that series by Trey was maybe the abominable. worst yeah. series yeah. I've ever seen an all star have in the playoffs. It was, yeah, yeah, it was so bad. Anyway, sorry, go ahead. Uh, you know, two-year deal, like not a great shooter, but it was below mid-level and like as a third guard, I mean, he defends, he gets to the rim, he, um, you know, he's just like a slippery, smart player. I I think he can help a lot. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see how he and Morris fit in uh, in that Washington backcourt. I'm guessing it'll probably be Morris. Yeah, to that's start. what I think. Morris starts, and then Wright and Davis come in together off the bench. Probably. It's always been interesting with Wright, though. I think that teams that have just used him as a backup point guard have usually done well. It's when you try to play him off the ball as like the secondary guy that it doesn't go as well, and his shooting lack of shooting starts to become a little bit of a problem. Yeah, I'd agree. With that. 
he was better with us when he played on the ball, certainly. Yeah, no, I, I remember uh, at the end of that one year, your announcers were going crazy because he had a triple-double. I think He had multiple triple-doubles, if I remember right. Yeah. Uh, all right, you had one more under-the-radar signing. Uh, La Familia Martin. I thought both of them were really good deals. Yeah, that's interesting. Cody, you know, both of them shot it much better last year. Uh, you know, he It was interesting that Caleb got the player option. It seems like this that was basically the Heat being like, please, please, please don't go over <laughs> this number. Level. Yeah, yeah. Under any circumstances, we cannot match. That would suck. And yeah, Cody, on the other hand, going for four, four years, 32 million, but the last year is non-guaranteed or a team option yeah those are when you think about by the end of those deals that probably is basically like what we used to think of as like five million a year i I always felt the the analog for them was the deal that dorian finney smith was just coming off of now which i think was like three years 12 million but then you price in inflation and that's kind of about the right spot for those guys yeah yeah so So I, i wouldn't say i thought those were like amazing deals but i thought they were fair deals which you know some of them were not <laughs> right <laughs> yeah all right well so we're gonna probably still be on about a every two week schedule here during the off season you can catch john and i on spotify as well uh, generally every wednesday at 3 eastern 12 pacific but check my twitter feed we may depending on vacation and stuff not do some weeks and of course you can check out dunked on my podcast if you are fiending uh, for content still danny and i are doing a couple episodes a week of that and we will talk to you all next time till then Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. 